This is Web Suasion Conversation, episode 21. Welcome to the show. I'm Ryan Williams, president and founder of the Web Suasion Group and Kapoka Studios here at Pinewood Atlanta Studios in Fayetteville, Georgia. Today on the show, we have Cheryl Cherico. She started Tier 3 MD in 2005 and it has grown to one of the nation's leading HIPAA compliant IT support groups for medical practices. They provide comprehensive security risk assessments for a wide variety of medical practices. She's also president of the Georgia Breast Cancer Coalition, which provides assistance for breast cancer patients in need. So a lot of times our clients will ask us to help them with their local area networks and their computers and their security updates and stuff like that. And that is not what we do here at WebSuasion. So we're often referring business to companies like Tier 3MD in the medical field or our other referral partners in other industries so that they can take care of the security risk assessments and network security and all that kind of stuff. But since we're application developers and we're working in the cloud, we do have security concerns of our own. What we do here at WebSuasion is make sure all of our clients are on SSL certificates for one. That is when you go to a website and you look up at the domain at the top, you see the nice little lock on the left-hand side and you see an HTTPS before the domain. That means that site is protected by a SSL certificate that encrypts the traffic going back and forth between your browser and the website to make sure that nobody can intercept that. Certainly anytime that you go to a website and you're sharing personal information or logging in or doing a shopping cart checkout or anything like that, make sure that site is protected by an SSL certificate. If it's not, maybe think about doing business elsewhere. Especially don't use websites like that when you're at a Starbucks or using public Wi-Fi of any kind or even company Wi-Fi where you have a lot of users on that network because you are vulnerable to that information being intercepted if they do not have an SSL certificate. So we make sure all of our clients have that certificate installed and then we go beyond that and do things like encrypted cookies. Cookies are when you log into a website and you have personal information that's being stored in that session. We have to have somewhere to put that session and that usually ends up in your browser's cookies. Those can be also intercepted if somebody is on your computer or on your local area network. So we encrypt those so that even if somebody were to get to them, they don't know your passwords, they don't know your logins, they don't know your IDs, they don't know anything. And then we have all kinds of security in the cloud that we put in place, just like Cheryl would put in a firewall for your local area network. We do the same for the cloud servers. We install firewalls, we lock down any unused ports, we constantly do backups and security updates to their operating systems in the cloud. We do everything we can to make sure that no nefarious activity is happening on our client servers. So if you have a website, especially if you have a client portal that you log into or a staff portal that you log into and you notice that it is not SSL certificate encrypted or you're not sure if you're encrypting cookies and you're not sure what the security status of your server is and the protections that you have in place there, give me a call. 404-418-8909 or you can reach me at ryan at websuasion.com that's r-y-a-n at w-e-b-s-u-a-s-i-o-n dot c-o-m be happy to give your portal an evaluation and tell you anywhere that you are vulnerable so now let's talk to cheryl cherico of tier 3md 
Well, Cheryl, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. So tell me a bit about your background. You grew up in Buffalo, New York, or is that where you went to school? No, I was born and raised in Buffalo, New York. Yeah. And in 1998, I was working for a national software company, and I wanted a little bit of a change. That was the network group? The network group sold the same software that I was working for. So I just threw out a resume, and my older brother lived here. And I got the job. So I came over here in 1998, and I have been to every single town in Georgia. <laughs> every, uh, every every single one, doing the Y2K upgrades for Blue Cross and Blue Shield. Was that medical specific? Or? Medical manager. Okay. It was the uh, practice management system that most of the practices used at that time. So have you always consistently worked in the medical industry? It ended up that way. Yeah. I worked at a medical practice uh-huh. in the 80s. And that's how I started. And then I ended up with a job for our software vendor, who was our medical manager vendor. And then I started, you know, there's no better uh, support than a super user. Right. So I started doing that. And then I applied to the network group, which was a part of Blue Cross and Blue Shield. Uh I don't know if people know that. Mm. It was a whole group. I actually came here working for Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Georgia. And they put me at the network group. And my team went out and we physically upgraded all of the Unix systems and made it so that they were ready for Y2K. We actually won the President's Award that year at Blue Cross. Very cool, very cool. So did you have any impacts from Y2K at all? Not a one. Yeah. (laughs) Not a a one. It was a whole lot of noise is what I remember. Everybody was paranoid. You know, it all started because of the coding that was done and the five nines, and nobody knew what was going to happen. So you were so, having to go in and actually manipulate data and... We and actually were upgrading the operating system okay. and upgrading the product, right. but it had to be done on site. I've yeah. been to Waycross, I've been to Jasper, I've been to all kind of places in Georgia. Thomasville. That Absolutely, <laughs> that a northerner would have never gone to. Right, so. right. So at what point did you decide that you wanted to start Tier 3, or, or was it another company before that that you well, did? Well, when Medical Manager came in and bought the network group... Um, we had 58 employees, and they went down to 19. Okay. I actually made the cut. Nice. Um, being that, you know, field engineers, that, you know. Yeah. So I actually made the cut. And I just, it was very hard for me to come here and watch all of my friends get laid off. Right. And I wasn't sure about the stability. So I took a different job. Was that in the and 90s? or That was in 1999. Yeah. So no, 2000, after so 2000. Just after the bubble. Right. Kind of, I yeah. took another job. And I was building cath lab systems. With, what is that? Uh, a cath lab is where you go in and they shoot the dye okay. in the artery of your leg. And then they yeah, yeah, yeah. do the dye to see where the blockage is. So you're building the software for that? I was building the digital part. Okay. Um, the x-rays were analog. Right. And what we were doing is we were actually putting up a parallel system that was recording the analog system. Oh, wow. And it was turning it into digital, which allowed us to give the patient their cath results, the moving images on a DVD. Oh, nice. Okay. And, but it was exhausting. Well, did you have a lot of HIPAA compliance issues with that, or was that a self-contained system? It really wasn't even This anything. is pre-cloud kind of days. Pre, yeah. yeah. So I had one local customer, Okay. one, Atlanta Cardiology. And I loved going there because it was local. I didn't have to. Right. I traveled all over the country. And it was, a, it was a very difficult job because the patient comes first. Right. So when they're done seeing patients, you come in and you build the cath lab system, and then you're back at 5.30 a.m. to make sure it works. Right. And if something needs to be tweaked, you go at the end of the day. Yeah. So it just became exhausting. 
Yeah, um, yeah. I loved the company I worked for, loved them. But I just, I wanted to stay home. I like dogs, I like concerts, I like social life. You really can't have that when you're traveling six days a week. So when you started so, tier three then, how did you, did you have any customers starting out? I did. Out? I, you know, first of all, I will say I'm very fortunate. If there were lucky breaks to get, yeah. I think I got them all. Um, <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Atlanta Cardiology was my only customer, and Steve was the IT director okay. there. And he wanted to move on. So he hired me okay. to take that IT director job. And I said, Steve, I'm great with cardiology and Windows NT 4.0 and, and all that, but I don't know about, you know, this has Microsoft Exchange, that they have dictation systems. Right. I don't know if I could do it. He's like, you can do it. He says, I'll be your consultant. Okay. Hire me back. Perfect. You know, it was the best of both worlds. I had him. Anytime you get stuck, and he you have didn't a... have to work there. Right, right. Steve was the kind of guy that wanted to be in the room doing all the important stuff. He didn't want to help a user reboot their PC. Right. And uh, so, I, but I was, I love the users. So I went out and I took that job and hired Steve back. Uh-huh. And that was in 2001. And in 2005, all the other doctors in the buildings were calling us because they were starting to look at EMR. And so Steve and I said, you know, he had a large practice here on the South Side that he worked with independently that I had set him up with uh-huh. from my medical manager days. And then I had Atlanta Cardiology. And we said, let's come together. So we should probably and, define what EMR is just oh, for folks I'm sorry. who are not, I'll just, uh, no, no, I, yeah. I do the same thing. So electronic medical records. Electronic medical record. kind of came in. Around 2005. Right. And it's never standardized at this point. Like it's still pretty, pretty wild west, <laughs> it's isn't a, it? it? It's gotten better. Okay. But now it's getting bad again. You get a few monoliths that have their independent systems and they don't communicate to, well, with each other. Well, there's the government incentives involved in going to an electronic medical record. Uh-huh. Um, and they're actually paying the physicians to do it. Right. And they have to meet certain criteria. And some of the softwares were actually caught hard coding that criteria in. Uh-huh. And they've been slammed with multi, multi-million dollar lawsuits. Wow, and, really? Okay. Oh yeah, it's common knowledge if you look online. Yeah, yeah. You look at some of the electronic medical records, so. Okay. So Steve and I, we went and we talked to Atlanta Cardiology and we said, this is what we wanna do, but we still wanna support you. We just want you to invoice us. They were like, we knew this would happen, go. You're yeah. talented, go. You have our full support. That's how it happened. It's probably a better deal for them too. Well, they liked it because as we brought people on, yeah. they had a whole team. Sure, and they're so, paying the same now. Yeah. But, but they were, you know, uh, Dr. Mark Cohen, he's one of the chief medical officers at Piedmont right now, and mm-hmm. he had the vision to okay. see that it would be better for them, better for us. And he really was a huge part of allowing us to do this. Through Tier 3, you provide a lot of different services. So how did you start branching out and getting into all like the security elements and everything else that you guys do? Well, we had to. I I mean, we had to for our clients. Um, Not for myself, but for them. With HIPAA coming out, nobody really paid attention to it. Right. Okay? Now they pay attention to it. So I had to go out there physically and talk to people and explain to them, this is something that you need to care about. Right. So the HIPAA is one thing. Mm -hmm. Cybersecurity is really a whole nother thing. Yes. You know, HIPAA is getting your policies, your procedures, your documentation, putting things in writing, doing certain trainings, that's HIPAA. Yeah. Cybersecurity is 
dark web scanning or phishing campaigns or internal network monitoring, offsite backups, encrypted Mm -hmm. backups. That's all cybersecurity. That's all security. We are like people living in a cabin in the woods and the natives are trying to get in. (laughs) It's constant securing a network. It is constant. The number one reason that most networks are breached is user. Yeah. They believe that email. Uh, the email is designed to make you panic. Right. It looks legitimate. You click on and it. And they click on it. Yep. And there you go. Or somebody calls them up and, you know, through customer service sort of manipulation, gets a password from them or gets some kind of like All the personal time. information. It's always the human element is like the easiest to crack. Yeah. Easiest. And so I could put your network around Fort Knox. Yeah. But if a user yep. clicks on that. Or has a really vulnerable password or, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's another thing. Yeah. Yes, you are. That's a good point. Yep. How much of what you do is training then of the staff of the companies that you consult well, with? You know, we're, we're IT people. I try not to train. Yeah. But nowadays, some of the companies that we use as resources huh. are coming up with training. Okay. Like we do phishing campaigns. Um, I just did one to a client. They had 85 users, uh-huh. 24% clicked and submitted data. You're going in, you're sending in a phishing email just to see who will respond. Yes, I have about 20 email kits That's that great. I could choose from. I could choose from HR. I could choose from Chrome support, Office 365 support, UPS yeah. FedEx, we send it out. It just we looks can monitor. legitimate. It, just, it yeah. looks, you know, and, and people are embarrassed by this, and they shouldn't be. Yeah. Because these hackers and these thieves, they're professional. Oh, yeah. And their whole existence is to fool you. Yeah. Uh, we had a customer not too long ago got hit with a ransomware attack. Do you yeah. know the, the bad guys, as we call them, had a help desk? <laughs> <laughs> An 800 number you could call. And very, a help desk to very nice. help you get the decryption key. It's just, I don't know. <laughs> to help you set up a Bitcoin account. Yeah, and, yes, uh, yeah. we have. Yes, we've done that. That's yeah. crazy. Mm-hmm. So how big of a deal has that become with the ransomware? Have you had a lot of clients affected by that? I haven't had a lot. That's good. But it's huge. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's amazing at the damage that it yeah. causes. People go out of business. Yeah. Is a lot of that thwarted if you're doing consistent backups? At least you can go Um, back to the previous day or whatever. The trick is to not prevent against an attack. It's to prepare for it. Right. Assume it's going to happen. It's not if, it's when. Yeah. So when it happens, you have to have a device that has off-site backups that are encrypted. Right. Because they will hit those backups. Right. And it could be costly. If you're an organization that does any kind of imaging, Mm -hmm. medical imaging, data storage is more expensive than if you're just storing documents. Yeah, you got big files. So it it could run you anywhere from $800 to $1,500 a month just for the storage. Is it all cloud-based storage? It is. Okay. It's on the local device, and then it goes off to the cloud. It's a faster restore Mm -hmm. from the local device. Gotcha. So do you go outside the medical community at this point with Tier 3, or is it you pretty much focused on that niche? In tier three, I do not. Okay. However, in 2018, I purchased Discovery Computers and Forensics. Oh, nice. And I did that for two reasons. One is if I do have some non-medical, it can go into that company. But the number one reason that I purchased it was for the forensics. Okay. 
So, so talk about the forensics a little bit. We, are, we do full digital forensics. I have certified computer examiners that come in and will image the disk, and then they'll come in and do the actual search. Is that looking for usually like staff fraud and, and things like that? or You name it, we're looking for it. Hacker um, attempts, anything like that? All of it. Okay. Um, if, you, if you are to have a HIPAA breach, we have to do the forensics to know if any data was viewed. Okay. Usually the encryption just covers it. Nothing was extracted, nothing was viewed. Right. We can prove that through our forensics. Some of the cases I've had was your typical wife who thinks her husband's cheating or vice versa. Right. We've done many forensics on cell phones, kids' cell phones. Okay. Parents want to know what they're doing. We've had uh, quite a few where people have left the company they work for and they want to know if they took data, took customer lists. We had one company where laptops were stolen. They knew who the individual was, but they weren't sure. So they brought us in to try to make their case, and we did. We found out that he had turned off the security cameras for four minutes. Gotcha. Turned them back on. Um, (laughs) I mean, we've had, I mean, there's all kinds. You'd be surprised at how popular digital forensics is getting now. So if you could go back right now and do anything differently when you started Tier 3, can you think of any mistakes you felt like you made along the way? I made a thousand mistakes, and I'm still making them. Sure. Well, that's I'm how you learn, right? I'm still making them. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's any foolproof kind of anything for running a business, because like like the doctors that I work with, yeah. they went to medical school. They didn't go to business school. Right. I went to Microsoft school. Yeah. I went to computer school. I did not go to business Very school. Very few business owners um, have ever had any business training whatsoever. Yeah. I'm pretty good that's, at it now. You have to be um, to survive, right? But I'm not, uh, you know, there's really nothing I would do differently because I'm just so fortunate. Yeah. I'm so lucky. I am so lucky and thankful and humbled by the people that have helped me get here. I did not do this on my own. Right. If you could pick a couple of things that you think you see a lot with your clients, the mistakes that they're making, other than what you talked about mm-hmm. already with not having secure passwords and, and encrypted data and all that kind of stuff, what, what are some of the biggest mistakes that they tend to make? From a business standpoint? Either a business standpoint or from the data standpoint, security uh, standpoint. Well, there's a lot in the security, and yeah. most of it is because they don't understand it. So instead of sending an email out saying, hey, you need, I go there and I talk to them and I explain it. Right. So that's that's one mistake they make. Um, marketing, they don't care about their websites. They don't. Right. They don't see the value. They don't. Especially practices. Um, yeah, medical like, doctors are the worst at that. Yeah. What any business wouldn't want. I I always kind of assumed that there were some restrictions or something in the medical community that kept them from marketing that, but no, it's sort of like with lawyers too. They just they just they're not interested. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think starting to change a little right. bit, but you know. I think the marketing. I think another mistake. I hate to say this, but I'm going to, is having the practice manager that's been there for 30 years. Oh, yeah? And doesn't really want to make any changes. Right. And doesn't understand the changes and doesn't think it's worth it. Mm -hmm. And I think those are a mistake. That's a mistake. And it's not that they've been there for 30 years and they're old. It's that no one's helping them come into the times. Right. And, you know, somebody needs to help them. And they don't realize, um, you know, the leverage they could get out of using new technology or... And they're not uh, interested. Yeah. Because they're going to be retiring soon. True. And they're not interested. Neither are the doctors that are in their late 50s, early 60s. They're going to retire. Right. There are practices out there that still have paper charts. That's crazy. 
talk about the digitization of that. Like what's the process with when you're transitioning a practice that's been like that and they've got all of these records, do they literally have to have somebody going through scanning those charts and transferring that to electronic health records or what's the process? Do they well, even bother? There's a few different processes and we've done this numerous times. Um, they can scan the whole chart if they want. Just PDF, um, yeah. Right, and then just put that as a PDF file into the new. They usually do a demographic data conversion. Right. I'm not a proponent of that. And some clients have done it and some have not. If you have a, a practice that's been around for 30 years, you'll never get another chance to start this clean. Right. So go ahead and start with the schedule for the next six months. Right. And go get ahead and get everybody and, in there. Mm -hmm. What I suggest is that you go through the chart as the patient comes, Take, you know, four or five of the last notes, any labs, any x-rays, anything that you feel is important. Right. Paper clip it to the top of the chart. Give that chart to the physician. They'll do their electronic. And when they're finished, you'll take those sheets and scan them. This way you're not scanning volumes of charts for, you know, in pediatrics, kids that have aged out. Uh, it's like a drip into a bucket. Eventually it's going right. to Right. You're not, if you have 10,000 charts, which yeah. some practices have, how many of those patients are active? Right. Why go through that? Yeah. Then you could store them off site. You'll have them. I'm not saying to throw them away. Right. But you'll have them. Talk a little bit about your volunteer work. I'm not busy enough, right? No, um, currently, I am the chairman of Georgia Breast Cancer. Um, I'm a breast cancer survivor myself. And uh, this is my way of giving back. I am so, so proud of this charity. It's local Georgia. Okay. All of the money we earn stays in Georgia. We're not research. We're okay. not trying to find the cure. We're leaving that for the Comins and the uh -huh. foundations. Right. We are helping patients. Okay. In we, what way? Oh, many ways. There's a clinic that one of our board members started, the Clarkston Clinic. Okay. And she's a physician. And she gets a grant for mammograms. And the patients come in and she gets, I think, a $10,000 grant. And the patients come in and they get their mammogram. Uh -huh. Well, if they show something, there's no funding for that. Right. Because the grant is for the mammogram. So we pay for the ultrasounds. Okay. Okay. Then if there's an ultrasound and they need to do a biopsy, there's nothing to pay for that. Right. And what happens is these women don't come back. Right. Okay, because they can't afford to. Mm -hmm. We pay for that. And then if they get a cancer diagnosis, they can get Medicaid. They don't need us anymore. Right. So we're kind of filling in that in between. They that, couldn't have gotten to there without right. That's one, one thing we're doing. Another thing we're doing is we're working with local hospitals for transportation for radiation. Oh, that's good. Um, I had radiation myself. Yeah. And I had to go... 30 days in a row. Right. To get every single day you're Every to single yeah. day to get radiation. Um, so we're working with the hospital who works with Uber, Lyft, other places to pay for that. So you might not um, have transportation in the first place. And if you do, you certainly can't drive yourself in those days. So yeah. Get a little bit tired with radiation. Yeah. I did at least. Yeah. Um, another thing we do is, you know, and it's the little things. You'd, you'd be surprised. There are some people that really cannot afford to have this. Right. They, they just can't. And we buy them groceries. We don't give money away. Right. You know, when you get chemotherapy, it affects your mucous membranes and your jaw and, you mm -hmm. know, your nasal passages. And one woman lost her teeth. Ow. And we bought her dentures. Yeah. I, I know it sounds, you know, 
but we, we do that. Now, we don't give money because you're out of work and you can't pay your bills. Right. We, we don't do that. We also bring things to infusion centers and, and things like that. And we also do um, advocacy. We've been doing that since 1994. It was advocacy and education. Right. And we've switched our bylaws from the education because everybody has the internet now. Right. And, you know, we have gotten some bills passed that help with insurance coverage. Like state uh, bills? Yes. Ruth Eldridge, our founder, um, and she's retired from the board, but her in this organization was instrumental in getting bills passed to cover patients' care. That's awesome. So it's it's a wonderful organization. And you have an event coming up pretty soon for that, don't you? We do. Um, on October 19th is our annual fundraiser, the Pink Cork. Uh, tickets are 90 at the door, $75. It covers your wine and um, music and dancing and food. It's not a stuffy gala where you're sitting at a table and you're having speaker after speaker. This is a party. Yeah. This is a great event. We have a huge silent auction with all kinds of cool stuff. I actually created the pink cork, oh, cool. and uh, this will be our seventh year doing it. So Excellent. Excellent. Well, we'll put a link in the show notes to that. Thank you. Very proud of this organization. So tell me about Rebecca Walden Wig Studio. You're involved with that, aren't you? I am. This is my labor of love. Uh, Rebecca is just amazing at what she does for cancer patients. She does wigs for medical hair loss, which would be, it's mostly chemotherapy and alopecia. Georgia area? It's on Roswell Road. Okay. Yes. Um, Rebecca's been doing this for most of her adult life. She's eccentric, she's dynamic, she's beautiful, and she is truly amazing at what she does. But she's not a business person. Right. So I joined forces with her because it was important for me to be able to keep Rebecca doing what she does. What has your involvement been with her? Like, how have you helped? I'm her business manager. We advertise. I've redone the website. We've done search engine optimization. We've gotten our business licenses. We have an accountant. We have a lawyer. We pay taxes. Uh, we have a studio. That's how I've helped so Rebecca. She so was, she was focusing on the creative side That's, and really had no... She does her part. I do my part. Excellent. And it's a match made in heaven. Um, in November, it'll be two years uh-huh. that I've been working with her. It's one of my proudest things is to work with Rebecca. People don't come in and say, hey, I think I'm going to be a fiery redhead today. Right. Um, they come in and they say, here's my picture. Here's what I look like. I need to look like this because I don't want people at work to know. Right. And so it's very custom. It's confidential. And Rebecca will have you walking out of there and feeling good. And just what she does is, I, I, I can't express it enough. She spends a lot of time at Choa. Uh-huh. She helps the kids. Okay. So there's no wig off the shelf thing here. It's what you need. It's the texture you want it. She has it styled, colored to exactly what you want. I know you just purchased a company, so obviously you have a lot of work to do there. Is there anything else with Tier 3 that you're looking forward to in the future? Besides my retirement? Is that what, <laughs> you're, looking, is no, that what you're heading for? No. Um, I'm building it. I've, yeah. I've been trying to build it since I bought it. And I'm continuing to build it. I think we have an outstanding product and a great service. It's affordable. It's fair. We're responsible. We are truly experts at what we do. And I'm proud of the product that we have. What would you say differentiates you from your competitors? Do you you have any Forensics. Forensics? Forensics. That's the thing that they're lacking. That and our cybersecurity suite is pretty, it's pretty robust. That's excellent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cheryl, thank you so much for being on the show. Well, it's been such a pleasure to be here. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to the show. If you haven't already, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting network. We are available on Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. If you go to our website, websuasion.com, at the top you'll see some links to social media. One of those is YouTube. Click on the YouTube icon and you'll be taken to our YouTube channel where you can subscribe and click the bell icon to be notified when we post new videos. Usually we post about 10 videos a week and they're all little topical segments from our interviews on the show. It's great information that you can share across your social media give you some content to share on your business pages and your LinkedIn. It'll help keep you top of mind with your clients. They'll appreciate the information and we will appreciate you sharing our program and getting the word out. Next week on the show, we have Gerald Wessels of Keller Williams and Wessels Realty. He's going to talk to us about how he utilizes ongoing video content for his business development. We hope you'll join us then and until then, have a productive work week.